Welcome to the Living Everett Podcast, where we explore good things in Everett, Washington. My name is Garrett Hunt. And I'm Tyler Chisholm. And I'm producer Henry J. Thanks for joining us on episode number 117, which is brought to you by Milltown Credit Union. Going strong since 1939, join us as we celebrate 80 years in business. From Visa cards to checking accounts, Milltown Credit Union is your one stop for all your financial needs. Visit us at milltowncu.org or stop by at 3102 Broadway in Everett. Hey, uh, Garrett. You couldn't even tell I had a uh, fireball in my mouth. Oh, I definitely could. (laughs) Oh, shoot. (laughs) Your voice sounds a little uh, hot. Yeah. I told you these fireballs were a bad idea, Tyler. (laughs) Jeez. Tyler and Garrett decided to eat hard candy right before recording the podcast. There's a bowl of atomic fireballs uh, right here on the podcast. Who who brought these in? Was it Linda? I blame her. It was Linda, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, enough hot talk, fireball talk. On today's episode... We're going to share events from the weekly goodness. We're going to catch up on our lives in Everett. And then we're going to have a chat with Rich Hazard from 17,000 Solutions. And then we're going to play fast favorites with local musician Max Stevens. Let's jump in. So we're taking a little bit of a break from trivia for right now, and we're deciding to kind of mix the podcast up a little bit. Format-wise, we're going to do our Life in Everett first. Usually we do the weekly goodness, but this time we're doing Life in Everett, and uh, we're just going to kind of shoot the breeze, I guess. We don't really have anything to really talk about. We might talk about- Except our lives in Everett. Yeah. Except our lives in Everett. (laughs) Well, no no topic, really. Uh, Usually we have a topic, and then we we, uh, expound upon that, but I think we're going to talk about uh, Stranger Things. This is now a Stranger Things season three podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. we're (laughs) oh yeah uh hopefully you finished it because spoiler alert no no spoiler we're gonna give away start turning this off now we're gonna give away the ending right now because garrett hasn't seen it yeah (laughs) earlier when i i heard you guys talking about a show and um i I just knew you guys were talking about stranger things when i decided to put in because what what other show would anyone be talking about right now right totally i made it through the whole third season on the fourth of july break Four days off, eight episodes of Stranger Things, and uh, yeah, I just can't believe that it all ended up being a dream. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) That's crazy. Just kidding. Not a spoiler. One thing I will say about Stranger Things Season 3, though, is the amount of Coca-Cola ad placement in that show is unbelievable. unbelievable amount of ad placement, I felt like. Um, Not just Coca-Cola, but also Burger King. Big Burger King. And uh, 7-Eleven. Camel Cigarettes. Yeah, I saw that. Which is crazy. Uh, Cocoa Puffs. I mean, I know they're kind of like riffing on like late eighties, early nineties pop culture stuff, but how about that Starcourt mall? It's real. I I actually looked it up after the the season was over. I was like, can I go visit? Are those stores that are in there still, or did they set dress it with the names of the stores? Cause there's like a Claire's in there and a uh, hot dog on a stick and a bunch of that stuff from when we were kids. They set dressed it all. You can't go into the stores, but it's built onto like the wing of some mall in Georgia. Oh, interesting. And it's all still open. Like, I don't know if you can go in without like permission, but it's all still there. Yeah. So hopefully they keep it there and maybe charge admission or something. But we were talking about it in the, uh, in the meeting today, or I guess this morning about how the mall opening in stranger things kills the downtown in Hawkins. And, um, it's the same thing here. Yeah, totally. And <laughs> in like every, every other small town, I feel like, too, the malls killed the downtowns, and now the downtowns are killing the malls, you know? And it's like life is going to be just a back and forth between malls and 
downtowns and which all we'll started all die in a big earthquake with the uh invention of the automobile started spreading things out i blame whoever invented the automobile freaking henry ford Is, no 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 i don't think it was well henry. he it was, was like European the one guy. who mass popularized it oh okay mass popularized i got it <laughs> if, if there was only one automobile invented but no one like mass produced it then there'd be no malls so how was uh how was everybody's fourth now that we we're kind of rested and refreshed from the the longish weekend it was great yeah live and everett participated in the parade for the first time had a group of uh i don't know how many people we ended up having maybe around 25 30 people and it was a ton of fun although it was crazy how fast it went by like once we actually started and we're moving through the parade like it just flew by but it was fun yeah it was my first time ever being in a parade and um i my first time ever being a mascot and yeah, you got to wear our new uh, fissured head created by Sierra Rosario. Yeah, so behind the scenes live in Everett Life stuff is, uh, I think Sierra finished that mascot head like an hour before she brought it to it me. It was like 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that morning of the parade. <laughs> and uh, what, paint, I was surprised, still drying. what I was surprised about the parade was how the backstage staging area of the parade was uh, where we spent most of our time. I had to wait about two hours for the caterpillar body of the parade for the like legs to catch up or you know for us to go and then yeah the actual like walking time of the parade was short and exhilarating and what i was surprised is how many teenage boys asked me to dab (laughs) (laughs) they were like pointing at me and saying hey fish do a dab and um took me a while to remember what a dab was but i think i got it yeah, I guess that's the thing to do when you. Where see were you, Henry? You weren't uh, in the parade. I wasn't in the parade. I was just hanging out. Um, we we hung out at Doug's, our friend Doug's house, for a while. And yeah. Then uh, Sierra and I went to the People Bridge by where the old Kimberly Clark Mill used to be. They have like that bridge that goes across, mm-hmm. and um, we watched the fireworks from there. Oh, good idea. It was okay. Oh, um, I felt like it was just a bit far too far away mm. to like really feel the fireworks. But um, some guy had a mortar uh, by us and was shooting them <laughs> off during the fireworks show. So that was dumb, scary as hell and <laughs> dumb and illegal. Um, so that was kind of cool. And uh, yeah, I was I I wanted to go to Boxcar Park, but there was the classic rock thing was going on yeah. over there. So we just decided to go there. Yeah, it looked like that classic rock event was pretty happening. Uh, I popped by Legion for a minute and then I went back to my house and watched the fireworks from my roof with my neighbors. And I will say this was a great fireworks show this year. It was very good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. I could see him from my house a little bit too. Like the baby had already gone to bed and so we could just see him over the trees. And then, um, like I, I never, like, obviously they go so high. Like I think there's actually probably a lot of places you can see him from. Cause I sent my brother a little video and then he sent me one back from his house and he definitely can't see the water or anything, but he could definitely see him coming up over the trees and kind of through the trees a bit. But yeah, it was a cool show. Isn't it lame how we're all like adults now and all we're like <laughs> at home watching the fireworks and then going to bed like right after the fireworks show? Well, I went home and watched five episodes of Stranger Things. <laughs> so <laughs> at a late night. That's funny. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, you can't shoot them off anymore. Like what we talked about last last episode. So got to do what you got to do, I guess. Yeah, I 
I am a lame old person. I don't want to deal with the traffic afterwards. <laughs> totally. We live on like around by the community college and so many people parking around our house and walking up to Legion. I cannot believe how many people were out and about, but that's really cool. Like it definitely feels alive. And, um, the 4th of July is a big deal forever. Think about how much work like the cultural arts team and everybody puts on on the 4th of July. I saw Rosemary Jones who works in cultural arts. She posted and said it was early in the morning. Like her social post was like seven or 8 AM or something. And then it said, I'll be working till one in the morning today, you know? So think about that. Like they're doing the parade for us in the morning and the Legion park and the fireworks and all that. So shout out to city of ever and cultural arts for a long day's work. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Super cool event. Uh, what other uh, stuff you guys been up to in Everett these days? Just waiting for that Taco Bell to open <laughs> <laughs> every day. Me too. Me too. I love that Taco Bell. Um, the Broadway Taco Bell is the one that we're referencing. They are remodeling it. Why do you think they tore it all the way down and started over? Do well, you- there was one time I was there um, in the drive through and a rat ran by. <laughs> You think there was just so many rats that it, <laughs> yeah, there was like a it rat was cheaper cut. for them to just blow it up and start over than to like hire an exterminator. Yeah, exactly. No, I saw it, I saw it run by my car and I was like, I, I don't care. <laughs> I'm still I'm still gonna get Taco Bell. I don't care. Two don't interesting know. facts about Taco Bell. You know they've tried to open Taco Bell franchises in Mexico twice, and both times they failed almost immediately. I wonder why. And it's a great uh, case study on knowing your audience and who your product is for and all of that, right? And um, other interesting fact about Taco Bell, their beef contains yoga mat as uh, like a filler ingredient. So right. like the same foam that's in yoga mats is they, they put in the beef to fill it up and fluff it up. And isn't it weird that in this country for like the FDA to make something like safe to eat, the only criteria is that it doesn't kill you immediately. Right. <laughs> It's like, you can eat this thing and it'll slowly kill you over your, you know, maybe 20, 30 years of your life of consuming this, but it doesn't kill you immediately. So it's okay. Well, I ain't talk about <laughs> last night, so yeah, and you're still alive. Yeah. I, I got that yoga mat in me. Yum, yum, yum. It's probably why I feel uh, so sluggish today. Namaste. Hey, big news. What I've been working on, I've been painting my house and I painted my brick house. And there's kind of no going back now because I just did it. And I know it's kind of faux pas to paint a brick house, but I'm so happy that I did it. And I do want to say anyone who has a brick house that's listening and you're thinking about painting your house, lay off the latex paint, get a paint called mineral paint. And, uh, that is, I did a bunch of research on it and it's paint that's made specifically for bricks. So your bricks can still breathe. Um, so you don't end up with a bunch of paint failing and bubbles. And, um, yeah, I've been working on that white painted brick. It looks very Pinteresty now. And, uh, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Okay. That's pretty much all I've been doing is working on my house and then working. I'm so. going to drive by after work and look, drive real slow past your house and <laughs> stare out on my driver's side window. Yeah. Let me know what you think. I will. What have you been up to Garrett? I just, uh, earlier today, actually, I went and got a tour of the space that is soon to be the new recovery cafe, oh, cool. uh, right behind the snow Isle food co-op, um, went and met a couple of their, uh, 
board members over there. They gave me a, a little tour and they're currently working on uh, raising money to finish the space. And, uh, I didn't, I'd heard of the recovery cafe, but I didn't know a lot about them. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to learn more about them. And they're essentially a place that caters to anyone who's in recovery for anything, not just drugs and alcohol, but if someone who's had a food addiction or mental health problems, or maybe they're addicted to this podcast or social media, who knows? And, uh, pe- people just have to be, uh, have been sober for like 24 hours. Otherwise it's a place that's open five days a week for people to come and, uh, find community and enjoy food. And, uh, yeah, I think it'll be, uh, r- right now the space is under construction, but, uh, it's almost a 7,000 square foot space. Wow. And they used to be on Broadway in a small house that was 1200 square feet. Mm. So this is like a huge upgrade for them. Where is it going to be? Uh, so it's right behind the co-op. Oh, in the old bar mix. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. And what's going right next to it is the Brooklyn Brothers Dough Factory. That's right. In the old Mekong grocery space? Yes, I believe so. That's awesome. I do miss Mekong Grocery. Rest in peace. That nice family that owned it, they retired, so I'm happy for them. But that was a, a spot to get. I never went in there. Asian groceries. Yeah, it was a cool spot. Super cool. There's the Evergreen Asian Market that's sort of where I go now, but I just feel like if you're going to make an Asian dish or buy like certain produce like cilantro or ginger or things like that, the Asian grocery stores are the place to go. Frozen humbao. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the best. You just pop that in the microwave. You're good to go for lunch or chiz curls or chiz curls. You're, you're a, yeah, your snack. Yeah, I can't find chiz curls anywhere in North Everett anymore. I have to go down to Evergreen. Tyler's favorite Christmas present. I see <laughs> some on the uh, bookshelf over there right now. Yep. Should bust those open. Some chiz curls. People have no idea what we're talking about because this is a podcast, but chiz curls are like a Cheeto-like chip spelled C C H I Z, And they have Tyler on the cover <laughs> of a, them. There's a blonde-haired person <laughs> on the cover as their mascot. It does kind of look like me. Yeah, your own signature chip. Who knew? Well, hey, how's your guys' life and Everett going? We'd love to hear from you. You can drop us a line through social media or leave a voicemail at 425-341-3731. So let's take a look at some events happening around Everett from the Weekly Goodness, a weekly email newsletter we send out every single Monday. So, uh, Tyler, what is your event pick of the week? I cannot believe it. I cannot. Can't you? I cannot believe that this is a thing, guys. Tonight, Wednesday night, from 8 p.m. till 11 p.m. I'm gonna drive down to uh, the Silver Lake area. Hold on, I want to stop you right here. I enjoy that you are now like telling the story of how you're gonna go to these events. I appreciate it. Okay, sorry. Can I continue? Yes. Yeah. Should I start over? No, no. no this is perfect. <laughs> okay, so. 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. tonight. I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to drive down to the Silver Lake area just north of Costco and pull off on a little place called the Skate Deck. When I go in there, pay a little bit of money. They're going to hand me some rollerblades. I'm going to strap them up, and then I'm going to rollerblade around with a bunch of other adults. And they now have a lounge where they're serving beer. I cannot believe that the skating rink is finally serving beer. And they have an adult skate on Wednesday nights. What I love about this more than anything 
is the copy that Henry wrote in the Weekly Goodness <laughs> that says... I did not know what to write for this. At Everett Skate Deck, skate with a mature crowd every Wednesday night starting at 8 p.m. So, damn it. It says tonight, skate with the mature crowd. Oh, the mature crowd. Same thing, basically. The mature crowd is the funniest thing. <laughs> so, tonight I'm going to go skate with not a mature crowd, but the mature crowd. Yeah. And... uh I think I'm gonna rollerblade. It's well, been a while. Well, if you click on the event, it says Adult Skate 18 and Older every Wednesday, 8 to 11 p.m. Now serving beer. Check out our new lounge. So, what am I gonna do with that? Just put come come skate 8 p.m. They they have beer. Do you think they're gonna have the hokey pokey and all the stuff they had when we were kids? Do you I, think they're gonna do that? I I, hope I so. don't know. I hope that they have a DJ because. Linwood Bullen Skate does something like this, and it's really fun because oh, you get yeah. the the guys coming out who like do like the dance. Oh yeah, like the, yeah, like the roll bounce stuff, and it's really, really, really cool. I hope they do the races and everything. Like I hope I they, oh, <laughs> like what like uh, at the Everett or the Marysville Skate Deck, yeah, Skate yeah. Inn. Sorry, yeah, yeah. what is it called now? They changed the name of it, which really I don't makes know. Me it's angry, the Marysville Skating Rink. It's a skate deck for yeah. or Skate Inn forever. But yeah, races need some arcade games. Limbo. Oh, limbo. yeah, the limbo. That's right. The you hokey pokey. Need to pay a quarter for your song request. Oh. Get a weird hot dog <laughs> and play some, like, really old arcade games. For my friend's 30th birthday, we went to the Marysville Skating Rink, and this was probably, like, seven or eight years ago. And uh, we had a race. A bunch of adult men had a race. And they, when we lined up to race, they cleared all of the kids off, you know, and they were like, all right, we're going to let these... I think she said, we're going to let these dumb adult men race. Nice. <laughs> and then we did. And almost everybody got hurt, which is really funny. I was going to say who ate it. I <laughs> ate it going in the first <laughs> corner, man. I was just, I was crossing over those skates so hard that I tripped myself. <laughs> and you prefer the blades over the roller skates, it sounds like. Of course, man. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair we're enough. children of the nineties. Totally. Know? I don't even know yeah. if I would know how to skate on those four wheeler, like uh, regular roller skates. Okay. Okay. How about you, Henry? What's your uh, event pick of the week? Well, I fell in love with this place when they fed us for Fisherman's Village Music Festival, and now they have their own cart. It's Lost Tamales. They're doing a grand opening Tamales. Saturday from 12 to 5 p.m. at Scuttlebutt Tap Room and Brewery. They're there Wednesday through Saturday, um, and then the Thursday they do the 250 pints, so you can get pints for 250 and tamale they are fantastically delicious i know i talk about them a lot on the show but i'm just uh really stoked that they have their own cart and that they're they're doing big things because it's really really good food the jackfruit tacos that they had at fisherman's village i like almost had to bring back and be like uh, i think this is chicken but after further examination mm -hmm. it is jackfruit and you're right it's so good yeah i really need to try them out i've heard many a good thing so I'm going to share about some Everett trivia coming up this week, which is fitting because we're not doing Everett trivia on the podcast today. So uh, the Everett Public Library is celebrating their 125-year anniversary, uh, and they're doing some Everett history trivia at Lazy Boy Brewing in uh, South Everett on Saturday night at uh, 7 p.m. And I think, yeah, it says $1 from every beer sale uh, we'll go to support early literacy activities and technology at the Evergreen branch of the library. It's pretty cool stuff. Uh, yeah, go check it out. Lazy Boy Brewing, Saturday night at 7 p.m. 
Well, that's what we picked out for this week. For more details and get the weekly goodness sent directly to your inbox every Monday, just go to liveinevert.com slash subscribe. Everyone, Garrett and Tyler here, along with a very special guest today, Mr. Rich Hazard. Uh, welcome, Rich. Thank you. Glad here. to be here. So you are the founder and executive director of uh, 17,000 Solutions, uh, which I'm really excited to talk about. And we had coffee a couple months back. Really cool thing you have going on. Uh, but before we jump in, uh, we kind of met, we got connected from someone, Tara Patterson from The Lab. Um, and I know you spend a lot of time uh, at the lab, and so I'm just curious what you think of it there. Uh, I am really grateful that it's a local resource. It's provided me a lot of value. Do we need to talk with people about what it is? Yeah. So um, the lab is part of the Northwest Innovation Resource Center, which is headquartered in Bellingham, and they are a nonprofit that's supporting entrepreneurs and new businesses in five counties, including Snohomish. And in January, they opened up the lab at Everett, which is um, uh, adjacent to Everett Community College and Washington State University campus. And it's a uh, office environment, and they have a lot of uh, workshops that they provide to the, the community. And they have a maker space uh, there for uh, light manufacturing and that kind of thing. And I left my job in December to start this new venture in January and couldn't have been more thrilled to have the lab open as my office. Yeah. It's such an awesome resource. I know yeah. I've seen you at, before I met you, I had seen you at a bunch of the, the different lectures and classes that they hold there, all of which are free and, uh, yeah, such a great resource. So yeah, shout out to, uh, uh, Diane and Steve and everybody over there doing great work. Um, and also a fun fact, you, Tyler, and I, we all had the same wedding officiant. Yeah, I love this fact. Which is that, just crazy. I which am we found th- out. thrilled to have realized that last week. Jeff <laughs> Feinberg. Shout, shout uh, out to Jeff. The, if you want to hire Jeff Feinberg to be your wedding officiate, uh, officiant, the number is uh, 1-800-GET-ZERXIES. <laughs> to, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he'll come officiate your wedding. He'll do a great job. Um, he'll talk you off the ledge, all that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a small, small world. I still can't believe that. It's so funny. But, uh, anyways, let's talk about 17,000 solutions. What the heck is it? Well, right now it's an idea. Um, it's an LLC, but, um, I am interested in, um, demonstrating the value of soliciting, the voices of the public school community to uh, influence the continuous improvement of school district function, impact, and student experience. And I'm also interested in developing curriculum and program solutions that can make uh, us K-12 students uh, take a formal role in making their schools better. Um, And providing some logical curriculum options to the 17,000 hours kids spend at school Mm -hmm. in their K-12 years. So the name 17,000 Solutions is uh, a drawdown from that 17,000 hour, um, the 17,000 hours that students spend in school. Yeah. That's K through 12. K through 12. That's K-12 and it's at school. It doesn't include homework and extracurricular activities. That's just the amount of time people spend at school. How many times could you walk around the earth in 17,000 hours? Two times. Two times. If you're ambular. I like that you know that off the top of your head. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, and you you have a background in education, right? You have your master's in education. And- yeah, I and I it started. I'm I am a resentful success data point of the public school system. Um, this is kind of where it all started. I went to a really good quote unquote school district, and I did what I was told, and I tested well. I was I participated, and I graduated, and I had college options. And when I got done with school. I had anxiety. I had no connection to my community. I really didn't know what I was good at. And I went off to college. And um, um, as a result of that experience, um, found my way to grad school when I was 30 to get my master's in education and my Washington State teacher certification. And I spent about 10 years working with school districts and community centers developing alternative education Mm -hmm. programs. So as a success quote unquote success story. I'm, you know, an embodiment of how schools don't work that well for everybody. And, oh, uh, yeah. you know, the results are in, did each of us go to public school? Yeah. Yep, yeah. I all did. public school. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's the shared experience for almost all of us. And, uh, it is the biggest commitment of time. Most of us make to anything in our lives and all of us would be able to identify the things that did work well for us there and the things that maybe didn't do you find that like a universal truth about people's public school experiences um both at their fondest memories but probably some of their most painful memories come out of time spent in school i mean i guess logically it makes sense if you spend most of your time there but i can think specifically in my life right that i think some of my most painful memories are time that i spent in school whether it was through the way I was treated by a teacher, um, names that I was given, you know, I think the names that you give kids bad, whether or not they're bad or they misbehave or disrupts others, you know, these were kind of the names given to me. They kind of make you feel like you're, um, you know, I think it defines help it, kids define themselves based on the names that they're given from their formidable years. It's a lot of responsibility for teachers. Absolutely. Well, it's a lot of responsibility for the community. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I yeah, do that's... think for most, we, um, our sense of self and identity is um, largely defined during those mm-hmm. kind of five through 18 years of age. Yeah. And um, I, I'm kind of a literalist about the yin-yang symbol. There's great things about public education and that are really totally. problematic. And in my experience, there were some great things about my K-12 years and some really hard things. Totally. The things that I do remember most, I think, are the hardest. Yeah. Right? I had a lot of, you know, social traumatic moments there that resonate. Um, Totally. When you say that um, public school worked well for you, um, and you say, how do you say you're resentful? Success story? Yeah. I mean, the school district would view me as something to feel good about. Totally. So what do you think about your life, specifically who you are and your experience made you uh, a success story? Mm. Affluent upbringing, the fact that you're white, you know, those sorts of... Well, there's an awful lot to that, right? So um, relative affluence, middle class, uh, parents who cared about education... um, that I was on a path that didn't have a lot of um, overt social and emotional obstacles yeah. that a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there was an expectation on me that I would do this thing, and I did it. Yeah. Right? And that by its very nature, in my going through public schools well and graduating college as a white male, yeah. um, with that, I mean, I was employable. I, the I American dream. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges that uh, public schools are facing? And can you kind of give us some examples of what you're hoping to do to help? Hmm. Well, at a um, big level, I mean, this, the public school model is old. It's built on the agrarian and industrial kind of model, and our society has graduated from that some time ago. It's an enormous apparatus um, that is designed to function the way it's designed. So, you know, uh, blowing it up and starting over isn't really possible. It has to evolve, and change is is really hard. Um, I think that the lack of shared understand, crisp shared understanding amongst administrators, teachers, parents, and students about specifically what schools are for Mm-hmm. allows for a lot of um, mm-hmm. gray area and um, the lack of specificity has real consequences. Mm-hmm. So at a really high level, I would like communities, and the the Everett public school community is different from Marysville, which is different from small town rural Washington, but they all have an opportunity to ask this question, What are, what is this school for and what do we want for our kids having spent 17,000 hours in this system? And just at a high level, one of the things for my investment of that time, I would have liked to have left schools being able to say, I know who I am, I know what I'm good at, and I have a plan. Mm-hmm. As opposed to doing everything I was told and really not knowing who I was or what I was good at and having a plan other than the expectation that I would go into college. Yeah, it is a pretty crazy idea to think that any 18-year-old could kind of know themselves and and have a plan. You know, I think about how many times we sort of evolve throughout our lives based on experience. But, yeah, I, I like that answer a lot. And I'm curious as to what you think um, or what your research has steered you towards thinking about what the purpose of school really is. Maybe back up just a little bit more. When you had said this, uh, it's built on an old agrarian system. Can you elaborate on that a little bit, sort of the history of public education? And I I studied this 30-odd years ago. I don't want to represent myself as a a master. But but the school year itself, September through June, is Mm -hmm. based on an agrarian economy where kids needed to work the fields in the summer. Mm Mm-hmm. They then evolved into the industrial, we need a industrial workforce readiness path yep, yep. that puts some emphasis on math, science, et cetera. Yep, yep. And it, it has evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the day-to-day reality of the system for students is you get a lot of right and wrong and you get reinforced, this is wrong, you didn't get it right. Yeah. And there is an opportunity, K-12, to, I to take kids through processes where they see what they're good at. Yeah, And they totally. begin to own what they're good at. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all done, I don't know if you've done Myers-Briggs yep. personality. Yep. And, mm-hmm. In adulthood, um, yeah. You know, so there's ways to apply that to kids, right? Mm-hmm. And to devote some of these 17,000 hours 
to a commitment to ensuring that the K through second grade kids and the third through fifth grade kids are, are going through processes where they see and, and can feel what they're good at. Mm-hmm. While they might not be good at math, they could be really fast. They could be good at dance. They could be, you know, there's, there's ways to emphasize and reinforce while I am in this thing, I am realizing what I'm good at. Yeah, it's interesting because intelligence and what what smart means, I'm using air quotes here for the podcast listeners, I feel like is really on a spectrum. And um, with, you had mentioned how it's such a big apparatus. It seems like the kind of monoculture thinking of trying to name what smart and ready is out of school is is vastly different from career path to career path or just person to person. Um, I'm curious as to what you think about the kind of the standardization model of schools. Like I feel like when I was in school, it was all about, we were always sort of getting ready for big tests and that's kind of, that's all we were. I mean, we worked on some interesting things, but specifically elementary school and middle school, I feel like we were always preparing for one or two big tests a year. Well, the, there's a lot said about and written about standardized testing. It was a part of my life, and I'm yeah. much older than you guys. Um, but it's, uh, it's foundational to how schools operate, and the standardized tests are for the schools, not for the students. Right? It is a way to inform the funding mechanisms about how a school is functioning. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. I mean, so I, I took a lot of standardized tests. I did it. We were expected to. Sure. Um, I don't really remember getting any real results back, yeah, but I yeah. know that that was really to grade the school, okay. as a per, as opposed to, you know, informing my uh, progress and what I have learned and what I needed to learn. Hmm. Yeah, in my limited understanding, it sounds like the standardized testing and that kind of grading of the school, so to speak, is kind of the thing that the school's most focused on because I imagine that ties into their funding and everything. Right, yeah. Whereas it sounds like what you're trying to do is shift the focus a little bit to be more on the students themselves. Yeah, it's 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 interesting when I was I've spent a lot of years kind of thinking about how I wanted this business to define itself and I initially I gave a lot of thought to talking about your 17,000 hours as opposed to 17,000 solutions which would put the emphasis on a student and family to make the most of their time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and there's an opportunity, I think, to promote ways in which parents and students annually and monthly can be more proactive in making the most of their time there. And I know you've been uh, surveying people. Uh, You've got a great survey up on your website. Uh, You've been surveying them on uh, their K-12 through experience. Uh, I'm curious uh, what some of your insights have been from that research. Well, if I could back up, I just I, this is how I started the business. I wanted to do some original research. Um, I spent a great deal of time um, designing an online survey um, with a colleague of mine, Don Gregory of On Target Research. He's a super smart research methodologist. And I wanted to solicit input from anybody who's been through public school. And I wanted the survey to have some heart. I didn't want it to feel like a traditional customer satisfaction survey that we're all familiar with. 
and I um, we stood it up in January and I have so far we have 1150 responses nationally and 350 of those are within uh, from Washington State public school alumni so I have national data and Washington State data and um, it's basically asking anybody who's been through public school to reflect on the value and the impact of their time there and there's some structure to the survey but um, I will say a few things. Um, people have a lot to say <laughs> about their experience. Uh, there is uh, a, a kind of unanimous desire for more life-ready skills and training as part of their 17,000 hours, financial literacy, financial management, relationship management. Civics. Uh, civics, yeah. life prep, and... Um, um, so, and we asked some of the threshold questions we asked were, um, do you feel like your K-12 experience uh, prepared you well for life? Uh, and do you feel like your K-12 experience uh, uh, helped you develop a sense of what you're good at? And only one in three said yes mm-hmm. to each of those questions with any real um, resonance there. So, hmm. um my idea is to take national research and statewide research and bring it locally to individual school districts and say, you should be asking your alumni about their experience in your school district. Hmm. So is that kind of your biggest vision? Or, or I'm, I'm curious what kind of the best case scenario is here that, that you're hoping for. I think there's two. One is uh, that I'm developing tools that I could demonstrate are valuable, if not invaluable, to school districts where they are engaging not just their alumni, but the parents and the teachers within their community to inform the continuous improvement of school function and student experience and the value of those 17,000 hours. So that's one thing. And then the other is... um, developing a program and curriculum models where students are empowered to make their schools better than they found it. I think as part of their 17,000 hours, it's reasonable that we would ask them to devote some of that time to making their school districts better. So it's those two things at kind of a high level, I think working hand in hand can make over time each school district more responsive to their community. And more responsive than to the the needs of their students and families. I love it. And a lot of that is not only working with uh, the districts directly, but also it sounds like you have plans to kind of utilize technology and social media uh, and different, um, you know, kind of modern day tools we have available as a way to kind of engage students and, and get their feedback and all those sorts of things. Yeah, I like that. So the, the survey that I've stood up, it's 50 questions, it's online, it's a traditional survey, but there are ways and means in which I intend to, and school districts can, use Twitter and Instagram to take very quick polls within their community to get feedback and input on important decisions they need to make. Um, so... The, awesome. the the new social media technologies are yeah. um, exciting and they're very scary to this 58 year old so <laughs> yeah totally and one one thing you can 
you know, there's social media listening tools now where you can listen to consumers just by seeing how they behave and what they say about their experience on social media. And it's like, what could you learn about the sentiment of schools by just seeing how people live out their daily lives across social media and the things they talk about and complain about? And for a long time in my life, I had big time beefs with public schools because I feel like, uh, you know, I won't, I won't get into the whole story, but I, I had beefs with public schools. And I think the thing that has helped me sort of come around and find a lasting peace in that is just like recognizing that school across teachers, parents, um, students, administrators, like they all have sort of competing interest on like what school means to them and the purpose of it in their lives. And I think about like my, like probably the, thinking about through the lens of my mom who was a single mom for her school was really a place to send me during the day so she could go to work right and when she got home from work she didn't have time or mental space to invest in my homework or my education sort of post school right so that's her experience with with school and my experience with school was as a place where I was sent during the day and I had to um it was expected to be there right and then teachers are living from this experience of, yeah, there's like this virtuous, I want to teach kids, I want to make a different, I want difference, I want to invest in my community, but I'm all, my success is also measured across these kind of um, marks that I have to hit, right? And it's a complicated system. And I love when you said earlier about sort of creating, I think the term that you said was like a shared analysis among all the different interest groups within the school system. Um, he, he, yes. It is an incredibly complicated business that is not run by business people. And I want to say that the school administrators, uh, administrative staff, teachers, these are some of the best, most committed people in the world. And very, 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 very few of them wake up in the morning and say, I can't wait to muck up Johnny or Jane's education today. (laughs) Right? Nobody does that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But they're all part of a system that is... um, uh, kind of irreconcilable. So some of the things that everybody needs are smaller class sizes, right? Just the, the difference between uh, the experience in a class of 15 kids versus 28 kids is night and day. But we can't build those schools. We can't afford those schools. Um, that's not going to happen. So we're left with class size that makes it hard for a student to get the attention they need, to pay attention. It makes it super hard for a teacher um, and that there's just some basic things built in, never mind the, the academic curricular requirements that they that the state and the uh, Department of Education require them to do. It's very hard for them in schools to be flexible, um, to view students and parents as customers. These kinds of things are, it's, a, it's hard. But I like the, also the term you used earlier of evolving. And it sounds like that's yeah. what you're trying to do is more so, like, like you said, you can't restart from the ground up completely, but it sounds like your approach is more coming alongside the school, working with them, helping them evolve and utilizing kind of modern technology to do things in a essentially a smarter way. Right. Yeah. So and, that's cool. And I want to say and like give props to the, the local schools. Um, I do feel like maybe I sound like I was bashing on schools a little bit too much, but um, 
Like one thing I've noticed is I volunteered with kids at Everett High School is I feel like bullying has gone down a lot and I feel like schools are um, more equitable places. And I don't know if that's just a generational thing, but I'm going through leadership Snohomish County's racial equity training right now. Mm. And it is, um, there are school administrators from several of the districts around here that the idea of learning equity um, and putting an equity policy is just like really important to them. And I just want to just acknowledge that um, that's awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I want to say a few things and I should have said this up front. Um, I have my own experience and perspective that I'm drawing on and I'm learning, but I am very much right now a student trying to do research and learn with and from school districts about how they can change and evolve. It's not that I currently have any of these answers. And I do want to say the Everett School District, just bringing it back to Everett, um, there are some amazing characteristics within Everett School District, and it is a very high-functioning, high-performance school district. They've got some of the best numbers in the state, and we can see a lot of pain in town and on the streets of young people, right? And both of these things are true. And I do think that the, the, uh, there are programs and solutions within schools that are that are making a difference. It's just a heavy lift. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love what you're doing. I really appreciate you coming to share. Um, Big time. How can people learn more and get involved with what you're doing? A good question. From my standpoint, get involved with me at 17,000.solutions. We have our survey uh, there that anybody who's been through public school can take. And uh, everybody who's taken it, I think it's it, it's a 30-minute exercise. 30-minute, okay, I was going to ask. But, but people really like to reflect on what they got out of school, and we yeah. want those voices. Um, over the next six months, we're going to be developing kind of a voice box portal where we're going to be trying to animate some of the data and soliciting people's pictures and words and personalities to um, contribute to this data collection exercise. So stay tuned for that. And I would simply say that um, for anybody out there who's got kids in the system, try to make time, show up, participate, find ways to give. There's no shortage of need at each school. Yeah, definitely. I would encourage all of you go check it out. 17,000.solutions. I love what you're doing, Rich. Keep up the good work. It's great to meet you. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Did you know you can bus to the Everett Food Truck Festival and Yum Run for free? What? Thanks to our official transportation sponsor, Community Transit. They'll provide you with a free Orca card preloaded with $10, and you can get to the festival from anywhere in Snohomish County. They'll even build you a custom itinerary for your trip. You can learn more at communitytransit.org slash yum. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with the Food Truck Festival, it is a food truck festival (laughs) Really, in downtown Everett. We're going to have 30-plus food trucks this year. It's going to be on Wetmore kind of by Funco. And, hey, we also have the Yum Run 5K coming up, which is a food-themed 5K fun run. You can learn about both of those events at liveineverett.com slash yum. So let's listen to when Max from Fuzzmutt played five fast favorites with us oh my gosh that was so hard to say
Henry J here with Max Stevens from the band Fuzzmutt. Hello. Hello. Um, are you ready to play five fast favorites? I guess so. So what we do is we run down five questions. You have to answer them all within 60 seconds and you okay. win a prize. And we've been doing this for over 100 episodes and okay. nobody has lost. What episode number is this? I don't know. Okay. I don't know when this will be coming out. Hopefully 107, okay. 108. Okay. We'll see. Okay. Thanks for blowing up my spot, though, and making it seem like we recorded this the week of. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. All right. You ready? Uh, yeah, yeah. Here we go. What is your favorite place in Everett to tell friends about? Uh, Black Lab. What is your favorite place to get outside in Everett? Uh, I have no idea. Downtown, I guess. Perfect. <laughs> what is your favorite place in Everett overall? Overall? Um... Probably like Black Lab. Can I say the same thing twice or does it have to be? No, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite annual event in Everett? Fisherman's. And your favorite hidden gem in Everett? Um, oh, God. I have no idea. You have 30 seconds. Oh, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, hidden gem. Rest, I, restaurant, I, anything uh, like that. Uh, I have no idea. I'm going to lose. How, I, um, how do you have no idea? Because I, there's a lot of pressure, and I don't know what's considered a hidden gem. You have 10 seconds. Lana uh, Tai? Uh, I don't know. Perfect. That's a perfect hidden gem. Okay. Is what? that considered a hidden gem, though? I feel like... Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure on what's a hidden gem. <laughs> it's your favorite place to hang out that people might not know about. So reach your hand into the uh, bag oh, of mystery. This is what kind of... And pull out something. Dig deep. I don't really know what I'm pulling. Well, you gotta you gotta pull something out of here. Why? He's knocking things I feel over. Like there's just more bags in there here. There may be bags in here. Okay. There may be something else. Oh, look at that. A live and Everett string backpack. Oh, you can perfect. put all your gear in there. I'm gonna always wear this. Good. All the time. Oh, I might have broke Ron Swanson. You just broke Ron Swanson. Um well thanks, Max. Uh <laughs> we're, we're, I'm gonna take that bag back because you broke Ron Swanson. He's good. He's good. <laughs> Hey, do you want to help support Livin' Everett? You sure can with a donation to our Patreon. Even a dollar a month helps us deliver stories, videos, and this year podcast about the good things happening in Everett every single week. If you want to know more, you can head over to patreon.com slash Everett to donate today and help support Livin' Everett. Thank you for hanging out on the Live and Ever podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please help others discover it as well by subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leaving a review. Uh, also, we're on Stitcher. That's how my mother listens to the podcast. Stitcher. Didn't know. If you'd like to drop us a line, you sure can. Podcast at liveandever.com or leave us a voicemail at 425-341-3731. Thanks for joining us today. Special thanks to All Our Ralph Army for our theme music and to our special guest, Rich Hazard. Good things happen in Everett because of you. So thanks so much for listening and being a part of this wonderful city. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. This is why we're Everett till the grave.